Amen. And amen. Good morning, everybody. If you have God's word with you today, I want to invite you to open up to the book of Ruth. And we're going to be in chapter two. If you're new here, my name is Ethan, and I'm one of the pastors here. And it is such an honor to have you with us here uh, at the Well Church this morning. I hope you find yourself at home. I hope you feel welcome here. And we're so glad that you chose to worship with us today. July is a fun month uh, in the life of our church where we get to spend great quality time together. And then in August, uh, it becomes a party because half of our church, which is comprised of college students and other students, will return. Uh, and it will be a lot of fun uh, once they return here in a few weeks. And so in this time, we get to spend that much-needed quality time together and get to walk through the Word together. And so I'm, uh, I'm thankful that you're here, and I pray that today will be encouraging to you uh, as we learn from the Word. See, there, there are, I, w- I want to share this, there are moments uh, in the McCrary household that uh, we, me and, and Lexi have to take care of one another. I, I share this uh, to any couple that's going through uh, premarital counseling as they get ready to take a step into marriage, that there are times where one person will have to carry the other in marriage. It, it happens just with life and the seasons that people go through. And, and this is where one person will rise above the normal patterns of their rhythms, their mannerisms, to make sure the other person is okay and they're good. And I, and I believe uh, it was mine. It was actually my birthday this, this year that, that Lexi did this for me. Uh, this particular week, just in the way it happened, it was a very busy week. I was tired. I was just wore out. And when it actually came to birthday time, I really don't care that much about my own birthday, but birthdays to Lexi are a huge deal. And uh, she wanted just to make it special. And so she knew just how I was feeling on that day and during that week. And so she went above and beyond just to, to care for me and to serve me well. And so it was a variety of small things. But by the end of the day, it just was incredible where my heart was full. One being that I, when we were going through the day, probably the biggest thing, the most substantial thing, is that Lexi changed every single diaper that day. And that'll make you speak in tongues. I mean, come on. It was insane. It was from that to having meals ready and just, just spending time with me. And um, we just got to hang at the house. And, and it, was just, it was just good for me. It was, it was a good birthday where, she, where my heart was full. And she was just caring for me. Um, she knows that's what uh, is good for my soul. And so it, it reminded me of the love of the Father, um, you know, that we care for one another, yes. And yes, we do uh, provide and meet each other's needs and serve one another. And we do this because it's reflective, because it's a picture of God's care and love for you and I. See, God cares for us. He cares deeply about you. And it's particularly in seasons of brokenness, brokenness and hardship that we see him and his care for us. And it's in this book, the story of Ruth, that she is about to encounter a man named Boaz. She's about to meet Boaz, and Ruth and her loss of her husband and her commitment to Naomi is now in a moment where she's going to be gathering food, looking for help, seeking aid, and she comes to none other than Boaz himself. And it's here that you are going to see the most excellent picture of care. From Boaz to Ruth. 
and you're going to see even greater picture of why we even have the story of God's care for you and I as his children. And so the point of this is not just to lead you to greater care for one another, but actually the point of this and what I believe God's intent for this is to point you to Jesus, where everything in Scripture moves to him being at the center. And so we're going to see that today. So my goal for you today is that you would find care for your soul if you came in weary today. That you would feel compelled and led to care for someone else within this fellowship, within your neighborhood, within your community. And that if you are here today, and maybe you do not believe in Jesus, you've never trusted in him, that you would receive the ultimate care, which is salvation for your soul. And that you would find that in the Son of God today. So let's read in chapter 2 of the book of Ruth. And we're going to begin to see this story continue with Ruth. So let's read together in verse 1. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his, to the young, his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who is in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother in your native land, and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And then verse 13, Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Would you pray with me, and then we will unpack this word together. Heavenly Father, we come to you now, recognizing just as Ruth, we were foreigners as well. To your word and to your promise, but God, through the love of your Son, Jesus, we have been brought back to you. God, there are, there are numerous people here today that may have come in weary and broken from life. God, I pray that 
they would find care under your wings now. God, I pray that your word would move us and transform us today as we recognize that your word truly is alive and it's active and it's more powerful than anything else in the world. And so, God, I just humbly and confidently ask that now your spirit would move in us as we reflect and see the truth of your word now. God, do a profound work in us that only you can do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. So if, if you weren't here last week or maybe you're new to the book of Ruth, essentially what we have going on right now is that we have a family of Ruth, Naomi, and Orpah, and they have gone through extreme hardship because all three of them have lost their husbands. And so in chapter one, we see where all three of them pass away and now they are on their own. One of the greatest tragedies that could happen to a family, particularly even more so in this context here while they're on their own. And so last week, we talked through this where Naomi, she encouraged Orpah and Ruth to leave, to go on, to leave her. And Orpah kissed her and then moved and proceeded to leave. But Ruth did not. Ruth had a radical commitment to uh, Naomi. We're in chapter 1, verses 16. She said, but Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And so it's in this passage that, that last week we saw that Ruth had a commitment to Naomi. That she was committed to proximity, to be close together. She was committed to a place, to do life in the same area. She was committed to a people. So everyone that was surrounding Naomi, Ruth would commit her life to as well. And then finally, they were committed to a purpose, which is the all-encompassing grand purpose of our lives, to follow the Lord God, Yahweh. And she committed this here. And so now, in their journey together, Ruth begins to branch out, and she's going to begin searching for food and necessities that will aid their family. And so in chapter 2, it begins with this statement that's very important. It says in verse 1, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. So we're going to talk more about this in a moment, a little more in depth. But what's happening here, if you don't remember, Elimelech was Naomi's husband that passed away. And so it's in this that she is pointing out that Elimelech has a cousin and his name is Boaz. He is a worthy man. He is a noble man. And she points this out to Ruth so that she will go and find prayerfully find favor in his eyes. And so she goes and in verse two, it points out something else as well. It says in verse two, and Ruth. The Moabite said to Naomi, Ruth the Moabite. If you look through all of the book of Ruth, you're going to notice that more often than not, it's going to say Ruth the Moabite. And it's giving this identity, this distinction, because there is a difference between Boaz, who we're about to see, and Ruth. Boaz is of the people of Israel, but Ruth is not. She is a Moabite. She is a foreigner. 
it points this out because the significance here is she is not of the people of Israel. She is outside of it. She is a Gentile. You consider the history of the Moabites and the relationship with Israel, and it's not good. Full of strife and sin. It would be uncommon to see this. And so it distinctly points out that she is a foreigner. So you have to realize there's a noble man named Boaz out here in the fields. And then you have a foreigner about to approach him. And so it says in the next few verses that she goes to the fields and she begins to glean the fields. She begins to set after the reapers, those who are working the fields, the one that belongs to the clan of Elimelech, that belongs to Boaz. And the reason she's doing this is not just out of random, but there's actually a precedent here. If you're taking notes, you can just note this down. But in Leviticus 19, 9 through 10, there is a law in place, commandment in place for situations like this, where the writer Moses puts, when you reap the harvest of the land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. And so Boaz, in obedience to this, he is leaving his field prepared and ready for the sojourner to come, the stranger to come, so that they would be fed well. And so what you begin to understand is Boaz truly is a noble man. He is a kind man who indeed is going to look after Ruth. And so she begins to glean the fields and Boaz takes notice and he asks who this is. He says, who is the young woman in verse 5? And the servant points out she is a young Moabite woman who has come from Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean, verse 7, and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. And so Boaz permits her to go. She begins to glean the field. She begins to get the grain for what she needs. She is taking all of this in, in Boaz's field. You see the care continue in verse 9 or verse 8. It says, Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, don't go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young woman. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. He says later on, when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. And then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and says, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me? Because I am a foreigner. And so you see this presence of Boaz, this incredible hospitality displayed towards Ruth. When I think about that word hospitality, even in the Greek context, that word, when you translate it from the original context, literally means love of stranger. To have this care for the sojourner to come in. And so he is displaying this care Towards Ruth, he is displaying this tenderness to her, and she is having her needs met in a profound way. And so it is in this that you get to verse 12, and I believe it explains the passage of why he is doing this. Is it random? Is it because he wants to be generous? Is it because he wants to be a humanitarian? I don't believe it's any of those things. I believe the answer is in verse 12. If you look in verse 12, he says, Or in verse 11, he says, but Boaz 
answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. And then he utters this prayer to her. Verse 12, The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So, Boaz has heard what Naomi has done or what Ruth has done towards Naomi. She has given up everything. We talked about this last week. She has given away her, given away her preferences, her, uh, her rhythm of life so that she could be in proximity to be in the same place with the same people for the same purpose. She has given up all these things when Naomi has nothing to offer in return. And Boaz has heard of this. He's heard of the sacrifice. He's heard of what she has done. He has seen her heart, her character, her commitment to Naomi, and he is blown away by it. And so it's in verse 12 that he reveals why he's doing this. See, Ruth was going to Boaz for care. But Boaz clearly points out who is actually caring for her. Look, do you see it? Is it Boaz that she finds care from? Yes, but ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, who is it from? He says, this is given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, in verse 12, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. See, the big idea here is this, is that God, the Father, He is our refuge. He is our king that cares for us. He is the one that loves us, that provides for us, that meets our needs in the most intimate of ways, physical and spiritual, so that he would be glorified and that you and I would be taken care of. And it's in this, in verse 12, he says, it is under his wings that you have received care. One of the Patterns and the hobbies I have now is waterfowl hunting because Christian convinced me into it. And uh, one of the coolest things that I've experienced in this uh, process being with Christian is that uh, if you're ever in a field, and I never noticed it until he pointed it out, but you'd be laying in a field specifically for goose hunting or geese hunting. And one of the things about a goose, it's a pretty amazing animal, the Canada goose. One of the things about them is they go on these giant, flocks that they'll be flying over these fields and when they go directly over you if you if they're flying over you if you stay still and you listen you can literally hear their wings of how massive and how powerful they are blowing in the wind and so it's this dynamic sound where they are going over and it is such a profound experience because you can hear these animals that are a hundred feet above you It's these powerful wings that when these geese have their babies, they shelter these new geese under their wings. As they are growing, as they are maturing, as they need shelter and care as babies, they run to the mother goose and they spend time under her wings because it is a place they are safe. It's a place they are good. And the idea here is that as Christians, as followers of the Lord, we find care under the wings of God. This metaphorical picture 
that he is encompassing us. He is surrounding us where we find warmth and provision and comfort from the storms and dangers of life. This is what we find from him. And so the idea simply here is this, is that you and I are not to run to the world, not to run to other things, but we find shelter and care under the wings of God. This is the picture Boaz is creating for Ruth, that we find shelter with him. See, someone without belief in God, someone who may be skeptical of the existence of God, they will find shelter from this life on their own accord. They will find it in their work. They will find it in their own efforts. But at the end of the day, the responsibility ultimately falls to themselves. Or someone who is of the Islamic faith. They try to find shelter in Allah. They do this on the pretense, on the, on the idea that if they are good enough, they will receive this care from Him. But the Christian, the disciple of Jesus, they will find shelter, not on their own accord, but they will not find it even on their own merit, but they will find it in God. And the way of responsibility of the care for your soul does not fall to you, but it falls to him. See, and these other worldviews, these other pathways, they fall short at the very end because the weight of it, the responsibility of it goes to you. But it's in Christ, in Christ alone, that he takes it. He takes the pressure. He takes the responsibility for our salvation, for our care, for our needs. And we find it completely in him. It falls to the great shepherd. When you trust in Jesus, you're giving yourself to him and allowing him to care for your soul instead of you trying to care for your own. You're allowing him to care for your needs in a way that can't be matched anywhere else in the world. This incredible picture of wings encompassing the person. If you're here today and you come in broken and weary from life, you have to look no further because you find it in God, in God alone. He will give this to you. It's in this passage, I think it's very important to note that not only does God, not only is God the one that cares for your and my souls, but you would be amazed at how he does it. See, God is using Boaz in this story. See, Ruth found the care of the Lord providentially through Boaz. God was using him to administer this care to Ruth. When I first started uh, here at the Well Church, I was learning a lot, and I still am uh, as a young pastor. But particularly in the first year, just with the challenges of ministry and just learning how to deal with different situations, I found myself in a place where I needed care and I wanted to be under the care of someone. And it was not too much longer that the Lord providentially sent a person into my life that I would call my pastor and my friend and my mentor who uh, cares for me in this life. And that is Bobby Burt, the pastor of University Baptist Church. It was in this the first year I was here, and he does it to this day. That he would hear me out. He would listen to me. He would pray for me. He would just sit there and be there with me to make sure I was okay. And God used him 
in an amazing way that when life is good or whether life is bad, I had a person that was looking out for me. And I believe it was the care of the Lord administered through him. That God sent this person to aid me in this life. See, folks, God uses one another to administer care, just as Boaz is caring for Ruth. And so it is in this that God can use you to be a person of care for someone else in this room, someone else in this community, in your workplace, in your friend group, in your family. He can use you to be a profound person of care towards them where the love of God is poured out through your efforts towards them as it is Boaz towards Ruth. You can be a person of care. And there are some legitimate questions that you and I can ask right now. Is there someone around you today that needs your help? Is there someone that you can be praying for? Are you aware of the needs of the people in your small group, in your huddle, in your neighborhood Are you aware of these things and are you actively able to move towards them? Because more often than not, the Lord will care for people by the use of the church. That is how he has designed it. This is exactly why we say in our church, if you're new here, we have four marks of maturity that we all strive to pursue. And the last mark of maturity that we strive to do is to be a faithful caregiver. Someone who lives in submission to Jesus' bride, the church. The reason it is the church is because care happens in the context of community. That it happens not alone, not on an island by yourself, but it happens with the people around you. And so I just want to encourage you to do one of two things. One, to be that person of care for somebody as the Lord gives you the opportunity as he did for Boaz towards Ruth. And if you are the person that needs care, that you would be open to receive it. That if you're here today and you truly need help, you truly need someone to serve you, to pray for you, to encourage you, that that today before you leave, you would just humbly extend a request to say, I, I need I need you. And this is the opportunity and the way God has designed us to care for one another. But more often than not, the ability to care for one another gets swept under the rug because we are afraid to share that with somebody. If that's you today, I want you, uh, if you're not the person giving care, I want you to be the person receiving care. And you can do that by letting the person next to you know. See, God uses one another to care for and to receive care. This is how he has designed it. Now, as we wind through this and come to a close of this chapter, I want you to see how this is pointing back to Jesus. That I'm not just making this up. This is not just a coincidence, but I want you to see where this is coming from. Look at verse 14, and we're going to go through the rest of this chapter. And I'll give one point and then be done. In verse 14, it says, And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Buzz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even amongst the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. 
So she gleaned in the field until evening. And then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an epa of barley. And she took it and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She had also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she took her mother-in-law with whom she had worked, or told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked, and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. In verse 20, and Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And Naomi also said to her, and this is the important part, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. So it's right here in these final moments that he gives her permission to go and to glean some more, to get enough, not just for her until she was satisfied, but also to care for Naomi. And so she did, she ate at his table. She was able to glean some more, this picture of consistent care. And it is in that final moment that it points out where this is heading. She says, this man is a cousin of Elimelech, and he is one of our redeemers. He's one of our redeemers. When you see this in verse 20, this means so much more than you could possibly think. That it's in this, in the death of uh, Ruth's husband and Orpah's husband, Naomi's husband. It's in this that when a husband would pass away in the Levitic law, it would be in custom for the brother of one of these husbands to go to marry the widow and to care for them. And they would redeem their land and they would redeem the wife. She would be brought into a family, brought into a place of care where the inheritance would continue and the lineage would go on. This beautiful picture of care in the Old Testament. And so it's here that they don't have brothers to to redeem them, but Boaz, the cousin, can be. It means that he could go and be a fulfillment of the law who could redeem Ruth and eventually where this is heading to marry her. See, the care of Boaz towards Ruth is a picture of the care of God the Father. See, we are the foreigners. We have fallen short of the glory of God. We have sinned. We have messed up. We have rebelled against God. It makes us aliens to the covenant. It makes us far from Him. Yet, Jesus, the Son of God, He came from heaven to earth to meet and redeem the people who are furthest from him. Like the leper in the community who no one will go to, that is exactly who Jesus went to. To the broken person who no one would pay attention to, this is exactly who Jesus went to. To the person who had no hope, no God in the world, this is exactly who Jesus would go to. And prayerful means that they would be saved. And so, guys, you and I, yes, we are foreigners. Yes, we have sinned. But there is a God in in heaven who loves you so much.
that he sent his son to redeem you. And so this care from Boaz to Ruth, you can't read it without seeing the gospel picture. That in the same way he is caring for Ruth, we ultimately see that the church is the bride of Christ and he is caring for you and I. And so if you are here today and you are broken in your sin, never trusted in Jesus, never believed in him, you have never been saved by God. I want you to know that God will not only satisfy your soul, he will not only give you forgiveness for your sins, but he will redeem you forever. Where you will dwell in the kingdom of God to the end of your days and dwell with him into eternity past. And this is the best news I can offer you today, that if you're far from him, he is calling to you that you would trust in Jesus today. If you've never believed in him, I want to invite you to give your life to Jesus Christ, the son of God who conquered death, hell, and the grave, rose again, and by faith in him, we're saved. If you never trusted in him, would you do this today as he calls to all of us? Let's pray together.